This is the education exchange with Paul Peterson. The voucher and charter school debates are hotter than ever, and one of the biggest issues in that debate is the impact of school choice on the schools run by school districts that are called traditional public schools. In Massachusetts, there was an election in 2016 where advocates wanted to expand the charter sector. Opponents came up with a slogan that turned out to be very effective. Charters take money away from the public schools. But is this actually the case? What is the impact of voucher and charter schools on traditional public school finance? To answer that question, Martin Lucan of the Ed Choice Foundation and Ben Scafidi at Kennesaw State University took a close look at the Indiana Choice Scholarship Program. I have both of them with me here today on the Education Exchange. Martin, you have looked at the impact of a statewide voucher program on the finances of the public school districts in Indiana for the first three years of that program. What did you find? Well, thank you for having me. Um, so we looked at uh, the data from the Indiana Department of Ed uh, and from the National Center for Education Statistics to see if we could find any pattern or relationship between students leaving a school district to use a voucher in the Indiana Choice Scholarship Program and the effect on the pupil-staff uh, ratios um, in that district. And so the idea is that you had some, some districts that were um, exposed to students leaving other districts had no students leaving, so we had some, uh, were able to make comparisons. And we weren't able to find any pattern. Um, in fact, uh, we found that the uh, districts who had uh, students leave for the voucher program ended up with slightly more resources in terms of uh, staff um, than, uh, the, than other districts. So, uh, Ben, is this, an unusual finding, or what does the literature say as a whole? Can you sort of place your particular finding in Indiana in a, in a general context for what we know about the impact of school choice programs on the resources available to district-operated schools? Yeah, there's only two other studies that are, are similar to ours. They looked at pupil-teacher ratios which are only a subset of the staff, and, and the non-teaching staff is the part that's gotten very large in this country in, in our public schools. And so those studies are kind of limited, um, and they found mixed evidence on, on this topic. Um, other people have looked at the effect on the dollars in public schools and have basically found maybe small positive fiscal benefits on um, traditional public schools when some students leave via school choice. And the reason for that is public schools are able to retain significant funds for customers they no longer serve. Well, if they are able to keep the money, uh, why aren't they hiring more teachers or more <laughs> staff with that money? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, in Indiana, it appears that they're not. Um, maybe they're spending it on something else. Uh, okay, so... This is a small program in Indiana, and uh, most voucher programs 
now are not very large. Uh, but if you scale up, imagining a voucher program eventually, you know, can getting 20% of the population to participate in it. You're seeing something like that in Milwaukee, for example. Uh, would the impacts change? Maybe you're just, it's too early to reach any conclusions about what the impacts would be on your public schools run by school districts. Uh, Marty, what's your view of that? So um, an economic and accounting principle, a uh, fundamental principle is that uh, in the long run, all costs are variable. So if you have students migrating um, out of district schools in significant numbers, uh, then like any other enterprise in society, hospitals, higher education, whatnot, uh, I think that we, sh we should expect that uh, our public school leaders would be able to adapt to that. Um, and to arrange their operations uh, in the best interest of children. So that might mean consolidating classrooms, moving to a new building, um, uh, things like that. Well, I've just been chatting with uh, Dennis Eppel, uh, who's at Carnegie Mellon, and uh, he said that enrollment changes in the United States may be vastly more important than these choice programs for affecting the well-being, uh, the financial well-being of school districts. Uh, the baby echo, the baby boom echo that occurred in the early 1990s led to increases in enrollment, and uh, that was sort of helpful for generating revenue from state and federal governments, which was being given on a per-pupil basis. But then we were going through a period of enrollment decline, particularly in the Northeast and the Midwest, and that's going to have a significant impact on the finances of school systems, especially if uh, people uh, are uh, living longer and therefore drawing on their pensions and their health care benefits in retirement. Um, so, Ben, what's, what's your view of that? Is, is, that a, is that a bigger factor there than school choice, or is school choice going to be more important than that factor? I think Dennis makes an interesting point. Uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward how much school choice increases. You know, it's been increasing for a while, um, and, and like you said, those decreases are localized in certain areas. You know, in the southeast, <laughs> we're still booming with the uh, student population um, and parts of the west as well. But uh, I think it would be a, a good idea for us to look going forward at the effect of enrollment declines for non-school choice reasons and see if that has uh, effects on resources available in traditional public schools. Well, is this issue a bigger issue in some parts of the country than others? I mean, if you go to the west where, uh, or in the south where enrollment increases uh, continue, uh, maybe this idea of taking money away from the public schools is, is less of an issue than it is in Massachusetts. That's right. And in, in some places, in some states, the enrollment growth is so dramatic, you know, saving them on capital expenditures would be a huge fiscal savings. Yeah, Marty, you have a thought on that? Uh, no, I, I, I agree um, with what uh, Ben said. Um, I, I think that it's going to be interesting. I, and I think that uh, school choice also can 
might be able to um, serve as kind of a release valve as well to relieve some of these budgetary pressures and fiscal pressures that it, states are seeing. In the West and in the South, when you have a... So it's actually sort of interesting that school choice uh, might be uh, a, uh, finding it easier to uh, make some headway in the places which have a booming population than in areas where it's got a declining population. And at Matt Ladner's presentation yesterday, he showed that very uh, thing was going on in Arizona, that they had tremendous enrollment increases, and uh, school choice was actually saving them money and improving student achievement in, in the macro evidence statewide. So... It's, you know, it may be that it's just hard to say what the fiscal effects are going to have. The uh, school choice of impacts on uh, fiscal effects is, is really going to be as we go in forward because it's going to be so dependent on the particular characteristics of a district and other factors out there that may be as powerful as, as the choice variable. Uh, and of the design of the school choice program. So tell me about the design of the school choice. How does that affect the, uh, the way in which it impacts the fiscal status of school I mean, districts? Currently, you know, a, a large percentage of federal funds that public schools get are, are, are a function of the community characteristics, not the, the characteristics of their students. So when they lose students via school choice, they get to keep most of those federal funds. Same thing, they get to keep local funds. And so usually it's a portion of, of state funding for public schools that follows children to schools of choice. If that changes, if somehow local or federal funding was dependent on enrollment, like it is in higher ed, then that could have very different effects for public schools. So if the, the if the federal law changes, and some people are saying it should, it, we should have portability with federal funds. It should follow the child, not stick with the school district. That could change things pretty dramatically. And if you uh, ask uh, localities to give some of their tax resources to a charter school or to a voucher program, that would also definitely impact the resources of a district. Uh, now, I think Milwaukee uh, has some of those features. Have either of you looked at the Milwaukee program? I, I think that's a, a, a different story there, but I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, yeah, Marty. I haven't looked at it, but um, it's something that I'm planning, hoping to, to examine. Well, since that's the longest-running voucher program out right. there, that's probably a good place for us to get uh, right. some further leverage on this topic. I've been speaking with Ben Scafferty and Martin Lucan, uh, on the Education Exchange, they have recently prepared a very interesting paper on the impact of a school voucher program in Indiana on the finances of district schools. They don't find much of an effect. Thank you, Ben and Marty, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. This is Paul Peterson on the Education Exchange. Join me every Monday at noon when our next podcast is released.